You are now listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tyranny Podcast. Welcome to Ride With Me, episode 55. Today is June 12, 2021. Uh, today's guest is my good buddy Ian Tossing, Mr. Secret Agent Man, the number two most downloaded episode. What's going on, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me back. Maybe this one will uh, will knock off number one and will be the first highest downloaded episode if it was so popular the first time around. I had a buddy of mine that listened to it twice, bro. That's how po- that's how entertaining it was. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it, it actually it actually takes that episode and it becomes like a teaching moment. Um, my buddy Officer Ricky that comes on here mul- multiple times, mm-hmm. he has used the podcast to out in the field. Like he he will explain to people and say, "Hey, man, you know, if you don't have court documents, then it kind of it is what it is, and you kind of let have to let things happen." So he's used my podcast to, uh, and in your episode as well to kind of teach the non-believers out in the field the, the teach teach the masses yeah you know there, there's there's so much there's so much information out there and so much of it's wrong that it, it's nice to you know have a forum to come on and go no people don't know what they're talking about no that's not right no that's no that's not true you know it's it's this mixture of bad internet information combined with uh you know, just shit they hear from friends and family. Well, did you know this? Well, did you know this about the law? Did you know this? And I hear it and I go, what the hell are you talking about? That No, that's not true. I had a friend of mine um, go on Facebook and start a GoFundMe account because um, I guess her ex was trying to take her to court for um, child custody. And, uh, I hit her up. I'm like, you know what? Save your money. Don't ask people for help. All you need to do is grab a pocket notebook, calendar, and start writing everything down. From the moment you guys said we're done, you need to start writing stuff down. You need to write down when he picks up the child, what time he drops up the child, the conditions the child was in when he brought him back, what brought her back, the... I don't give a damn the car he was driving. What time? At 3.01, he picked up the daughter at this time, blah, blah, blah. Lo- what location? Everything. No joke. I sat with her on the phone for like maybe an hour telling her, you don't need to spend money on a lawyer. Because if I would have known back then what I know now, I would have never hired the lawyer or the private investigator. But I am glad I did because now I have this knowledge that I can share. I'm going to take exception to the second half of that <laughs> statement. <laughs> You know what I mean. I know what you mean. You know, well, yeah, it's it's you know, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I litigated a case in pro per I, my own, and the hardest thing about doing it yourself, uh, n- number one, it, it's it's really hard to do if you don't have that the the base the legal knowledge, right? Because there there's so much procedure that's involved in everything. And especially if it's it's a litigious case or your ex has an attorney. It, if you don't know what you're doing, that makes it infinitely more difficult, obviously. But the, the hardest part with, with running your own case is you can't be objective, right? Because this is your child or children and you want what's best for them and you probably hate the shit out of your ex 
And, and so it's, it's really hard to be objective. And you, you fall into that trap of confirmation bias, which even for a seasoned investigator who's working on a case that isn't theirs, it's really easy to fall into the trap of confirmation bias where, okay, someone comes to you with these allegations. Ideally, as an investigator, you don't want to prejudge the outcome of the investigation. And it kind of goes back to that first day you came into my office. You came in and you said, hey, I don't want to rehash episode two all over again, but you can't, well, you know, this is going on, this, this, and that. And, you know, it's, okay, buddy. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yep. I'm all that's happening. Yeah, I'll look into it. But sure enough, you want, you want to go into it with a little bit of skepticism because you're either going to find evidence for the allegations or you're not, but you don't want to fall into that confirmation bias trap of, okay, these are the allegations. I have to prove these allegations. And now you're trying to make the evidence fit the facts and not just let the evidence speak for itself. And like I, like I told her, like I told her, her main priority is trying to, to convince, convince the mediator that everything you're trying to do is for the best. So what I told her, what I suggested to her was like, go out of your way, unblock his number, and go out. Since there is no court documents, go out of your way. Maybe send him a text. Hey, are you available to see your daughter this week? Let him be the one to tell you no, so that when you guys go to court and you show proof that you're you're the one being the bigger adult and showing that you're reaching out for this guy to see his daughter and he chooses not to then that 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 does not fall on you so you don't have to you know you're being the bitter person so and they can't see you but he's you're shaking your head and agreeing and you're agreeing <laughs> so i'm yeah. i'm sure i gave her good advice then yeah you do you always want to go out your way to try and positively co-parent yeah right you, 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 even if you know it's not going to be reciprocated that's going to be at the end of the day it's going to be acknowledged by by a mediator and by a court. It, it doesn't, and it doesn't hurt. If you have two parents who can get along, that's great. As, as we know, that's not always or frequently not how it happens. I, I don't want to say not frequently. I, I'm a little jaded because I, you know, I don't get cases where, you know, everybody gets along and there's, there's, when everyone's getting along and nothing bad's happening, there's nothing for me to do. So I don't get to see those cases. I don't have to work on those cases. So I, I end up with cases that are, you know, kind of the worst of the worst. These, you know, obscenely high conflict custody cases. Everybody hates each other. The allegations are flying back and forth. You know, that that really that takes it takes a mental and emotional toll after a while because it's just you start to build this this image in your head that you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, is this is this is every case? Is this how everybody acts? Right. Right. God, and it. it it's just this assembly line and the courts are so overloaded and COVID hasn't helped any because all, you know, these custody, I, I, so I can say Ventura County, our, our judicial officers have been very good. The court's been really good about pushing these cases through even during COVID. Once they, they got the, the virtual appearances figured out, they, uh, the last I saw that they, they really didn't have much of any backlog. Right. So they, they, they've been doing a really good job of keeping that counter. LA County is, that's a completely different. That LA County is LA County. They're just kind of, <laughs> they're in their own little world. That's a, uh, and, and and that's another thing I kind of told her, which is based on my experiences that Ventura County does not take away the child from the mother 
unless the mother is a complete douchebag. Yes. So that's yeah, another yeah. thing. That's another thing that I told her not to worry about. And then after, after we hung up, the, I, after we hung up the well, before we hung up the phone, I told her go listen to this episode, listen to this episode, and listen to this episode. And dude, she hit me up and she told me for you recording these episodes almost a year ago or like six months ago, pretty much everything you told me was word to word in your episodes. You know, yep. because I'm talking to her based off memory. And then she goes back to listen to an episode I posted eight months ago. And she's like, damn, he just literally said all of this over the phone. And um, like I said, if I knew now, if I knew back then what I know now, I mean, who would have known? But like you said, you know, some people do kind of need that lawyer, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I told her, at the end of the day, whether because she, she's she's worried because she found out that he got a lawyer. But I'm like, how how really – because when you file a, a document – you get his response, and then you have the opportunity to respond back to his response. Have you got that that letter yet? She goes, no. Well, that's like 13 days ago. You should have got something by now. And a lawyer would be on top of it. So her lawyer, his lawyer should have already hit you up. His lawyer should have already contacted you. I get it. We got screwed that one time. You're shaking your head. That's why I'm saying this. We got screwed. <laughs> we got screwed that one time because she gave us a document like a day late, and we didn't have time to to respond. And that's why my lawyer was, you know, fucking throwing a tantrum and pretty much got her way because they the ones that the one they're the ones that file the documents late. Yeah, they 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 filed it like the day the day before the day of mediation. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 That that's that's a, that's a non-starter. I I I, I want to say that that we I th- I think we filed a motion on it. I I feel like I wrote it, but I maybe I didn't. I, I don't remember. But I, I remember that that we filed a motion to. To uh, uh, to get it to get it kicked because it wasn't filed in a timely manner, and yeah. that's it's things like that that you do kind of need counsel for because the average person doesn't know to go read the California rules of court, to go read the local rules, to know the California Code of Civil Procedure, to know the Family Code, and know all these little nuances and all. I don't want to call them tricks, but to know procedurally what you are allowed to do and how to deal with things when one party does something they're not supposed to like that. Right. There, there, there's just, there's so many rules that you have to abide by and there's so many things you can do when the other side doesn't. Right. And, and that, that's where it comes in handy because you can't, you can't fit all of that. And, and a lot, you know, some of it is, you know, learned in law school, but a lot of it's just learned, you know, by the attorneys after when they start practicing and they start picking up the nuances of that specific area of law and to try and condense all of that into, oh, I have mediation in a month on top of, I have to worry about these kids, I have to worry about home, I have to worry about work. It's so it's it's a really tall order sometimes. Right. Like I said, the best advice I can give her was, you know, mediators, you got to convince the mediator that you mean well for your daughter and the court system will not just take away your daughter unless you're a complete douchebag. Ventura County very much believes in what what the law says. And the law says, uh, the, the California Family Code says that the, the public policy of the state is that both parents should have frequent and continuing contact with their children. Period. Exactly. And Ventura County embodies that because Ventura County, uh, you know, is, is essentially, and, you know, it's... I, I'm just talking 
broadly is 50-50 unless it's proven that's not a good thing for whatever reason. So, yeah, that, that's that's great advice, and it's true. It, the the thing that I, I do harp on people with is it's it's important to remember that at the end of the day, this is a legal battle. And when I, I talked earlier about staying objective, it's hard for people to do that, and they want to start injecting emotion into their arguments. And to a very limited extent, sometimes that's helpful to just to show that you're human, but the court can't make orders based on the fact that you're upset right? or the fact that you feel this certain way or the fact that you explain the kids feel a certain way because that's not a legal argument. The court has to make a, a ruling based on what is in the best interest of the children, best interest of the child. That, that, that's the legal standard. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know what, one thing I did forget to mention in Polly, it's, it's probably on my podcast where I, you know, don't bash the other parent because you can't bash the other, as much as the other parent pisses you off, you can't bash them in front of the children. Bash them, go lock yourself in the garage and talk all the crap you want about that person, but never in front of the children because Correct. from experience, the my boys, you know, they kind of express their feelings towards their mom to her you know like for for mother's day for mother's day they don't want to go but i kind of force them then there's times where they don't even want to take a picture with her but i kind of force them i'm like that's telling you as a mom but like i told her it's like you kind of did this to yourself you know You, you do have to bifurcate it's not it's not bashing it when it's factual and I, you know, your case is a really good example of that. It's, it's not, oh my God, this person is a terrible human being. They eat babies. You're not, you're not just making shit up. You're not talking shit to talk shit. Exactly. If you, if you have something factual, you're looking for person, places, things. My ex associated with this person. This person is a registered sex offender. My ex. Uh, you know, left the kids at home and went to this location where they consumed lots of alcohol and drove home. Yeah. My ex, you know, was seen, you know, doing a hand-to-hand dope deal, I, it, it, whatever it is. And ideally you have physical evidence or independent witnesses to support the allegation you're making. You know what? I, I heard once, I read once that it said people, and I'll get to my point. People hate you because of the reason of what they've heard of you, right? So pretty much someone who doesn't know you hates you because of something they heard about you. So pretty much, um, you know, I, I, I'm dealing with the bullshit from the comments that someone is saying in front of the children, right, about me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this person doesn't even freaking know me for them to be running their mouth about me. Where it got to the point where I got frustrated and I sent this person a text message and I said, Hey, um, you know, you don't even know me for you to be running your mouth. So if you want to know why my baby's mom lost her kids, I will gladly show you court documents that show she chose a man over her kids. So leave my name out of your mouth, especially in front of the children. 
that it, exactly. So the mess the message they sent back was like, "Don't ever contact me again," and blah 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 blah. But my point is, I have facts that prove you're you're right. the whatever you were told about me wrong. You're wrong, and the the comment stopped. But it sucks because I had I had to do that, you know. There's in in a in a high conflict custody case. Is it where there are friends and family in common between the two parties? Inevitably, there's going to end up being sides. Yep. It, it is. It is what it is. But going back to the evidence thing, there's there's evidence somewhere, and it's just a matter of knowing where to look for it, and the, and how to use it, and, and how to use it, how to use it. Right. Well, picking. Picking picking the man is is the is the best example of that. I I, I remember that that was um, uh, for, first hearing. Uh, she she shall not. Uh, I think I think it was I think it was have have the children around him unsupervised. If I recall, yes, was, was the first set of orders. And then I remember you calling me and saying, "Hey, uh, he's in custody." And I went, huh, that's interesting. So for the listeners, now you have to follow the trail, right? Okay, so we have a fact. Okay, we have two facts. The two facts are the current orders say this guy shall not be around the children unsupervised. Okay. And the second fact is that he's in custody. Now, is there a nexus between those two things? I don't know. We need to find that out. So what's step one? Okay, step one. Where is he in custody? Okay, he's in custody of county. Great. Now we say, who's the arresting agency? Okay, the arresting agency is where X and he were living. Okay, that's an interesting fact. Now we need to follow up on that. Because we have a legal case, now we can go get a subpoena. Get a subpoena, attorney signs it. Great, let's go serve the subpoena. Okay, what are we going to ask for in that subpoena? Well, we need the arrest report. We need to know how the call was generated. Was this officer initiated? Was the officer driving down the street and saw him bebopping and stopped him and went from there and something happened? Or was there a call? Well, we figured out there was a call. Okay. Well, let's get the call log. Okay. Get the call log. Oh, this came in as a domestic. I'm okay. laughing because I remember the call log. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I actually walked in and got the call log. Um, and you called me so excited. I was so stoked. <laughs> okay, well now now we know it's domestic. Now we now we need we need and I, I think I even said to you I said you know what here's going to be the final nail I'm I'm going to get the nine one tape I'm going to get the tape of the call. And we got the tape of the call and I think I even called you I said I I, I said you need to come in right now and listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I said, shut her down, boys. We're all done here. Yeah. And I played it. And now, now the, she had testified. No, nobody does drugs. Nobody drinks. No, he's so great. He's the best person in the entire universe. Oh, my God. St sun and the star and the moon. And she's on there going, he's out of control and he's drunk. And I think he's on meth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay. Listeners, listeners, please understand. This stuff can't be made up. 
This is no. this actually happened in my case. This is the reason why I have a hundred percent custody of my kids. This man right here helped me with that custody. It, it it's you know when when the evidence is there, it's there. You just have to know how to find it, and you have to think outside the box on how to find it sometimes. And that's that's where a lot of custody cases that that could be very successful for people, where people are trying to protect their kids, they they end up in bad situations because, you know, they don't they don't go the extra. I don't say they don't go the extra mile, but sometimes it's just a matter of nobody knows what to look for or where to go or how to use that evidence. You know, not everybody knows that. Oddly enough, and not every attorney knows that. Yeah, just go subpoena the nine one call. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, this is important shit. And this the is- kids are there. <clears throat> they have a domestic. Probably merits a follow up to figure out why. Yeah, and this is the one thing that I that I mentioned to her about what you said because I was always told make it about the kids, make it about the kids. Every time you go to court, make it about the kids. So I never right. assumed to use any of the evidence that I had up until you asked for it, and I show up with the milk crate full of stuff, and you're like. Confused as fuck. What is this? I'm like, what you asked me for? <laughs> you asked me for the evidence, and you hear you have a box of police reports, pictures, freaking calendars with freaking dates on how they were picked up, how they were left off. Like just like everything, I would write down, and that's when you guys told me, no, no, no. I, this calendar idea is great, but here's a pocket calendar, and it's gonna come in handy. Write all that stuff down on your pocket calendar. And when we were in mediation, that's when that pocket calendar came in handy because I was able to pull it out and I was able to quote myself based on time and dates. And that's what mediation saw and took into consideration. This guy really, really means it. He really wrote this shit down, you know? And so uh, I think it's... I think it's it's like evidence code 1241. Don't quote me on it. The, the, a, a big reason why everyone's told to do that is you're creating what's called a, a contemporaneous writing, right? It's a, it's a contemporaneous statement, and it's, 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 an, it's an exemption of the hearsay rule because you're making that writing while you're engaged in conduct or, or while parties engaged in conduct. And it helps get around the hearsay rule because you're, it, it's part of the reason why you're told to write it in a notebook and not type it on your phone. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. Cause it's easy to go, no, I wrote this at the time. Here's the time and date. I wrote it on here. What have you. So it, it, yeah, it do, everything is document, document, document. You, you have to put yourself in the mindset of a prosecutor, right? And, and if you have to sit and watch, you know, 20, episodes of law and order to get in that mindset, then that's fine. <laughs> but, but you're, you're a parent and you're trying to operate in the best interest of your child, but you also have to prove a case. You, you So put yourself in that prosecutor's mindset. Okay. I have to put this case together. I put the evidence together and that this is where counsel comes in handy, especially if it's high conflict, you have to know the laws of evidence. And you have to know how to get it admitted. There's there, there's so much stuff, especially in California, because we have a law for literally everything. 
If, if I if I remember correctly, there was some stuff, some evidence that I had that was gold that you said it was gold, but for some reason, because of the law, you couldn't use it. If I'm correct, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there there were documents that you had, and I don't remember specifically what they were, but we ran into an issue with authentication. And authentication, essentially, when you authenticate a document, you're proving the source and that it is what it represents to be. So uh, police reports are a good example. So to get police reports in a lot of times, what you have to do you can't just get a copy of the report and, and file it, right? Because you can't authenticate it because no one really knows where it came from. Does that make sense? Yeah. So even though you know you walked in and you got a copy of it and then you walked to the courthouse and filed it with something, the court gets it and they, you know, objectively don't know that you didn't sit on your computer and type it up. So I, I think it was the, I think there was not the authentication issue with some of the stuff that you had. And, and I think you you did have some reports in there that, that were that were really useful, and we, we just ended up getting a subpoena for those. Exactly, and and get them in that way. I but think we yeah, had. A, didn't we have a police officer on the witness stand at one point? I think we did, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I subpoenaed. Uh, I subpoenaed the arresting officer from that's, the domestic. That's right. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, t- I told I told you we could do that. I got that, and and <laughs> we had all this stuff. Neil stood here and went, "Oh my god, this is great." And you went, you went, are you going to get the report? And I said, yeah, we're going to get the report. And I'm going to get the fucker on the stand, too. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's part of the authentication thing is, you know, when, when you have something like that, you really want to have that officer available because you want him to be able to be cross-examined by the other side. Right. So they can ask their own questions and try and get it knocked out. Because that, that's, that's, that's the fair thing because our, our justice system is based on equity, right? It's based on this should be a fair fight. In, in a perfect world, it should be a fair fight. Sometimes it's like just a whip and a blind kid, but it, 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 sh- it should ideally be a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> but besides child custody, we got into it a little too far longer than I thought, but uh, we- besides that, I mean, besides everything you guys done for me, like what else is there for you to kind of I- advise people? Like, you're, you're a very smart man, dude. Like, you wanted to keep going the first time you were on the podcast. I'm like, no, 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 that's it, bro. We're we're done. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I didn't, I didn't want to just rehash episode two over and over and over. Um, let's see, what else can I do? You texted some ideas. <laughs> uh, oh, you did. Oh, you did text me some ideas. No, you text me ideas. Oh, I text you. What? Oh, no, let's not do any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was joking. No, 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 no. So you're not going to teach us how to get away from murder? <laughs> away with no, murder? <laughs> no. no. So I went to, uh, years back, I went to, I, I scammed my way into it. Uh, I said, I said, hey, there, there's a, a one-week crime scene investigator class coming up. Can I go to it? And uh, I went to the assistant chief, and he looked at it, and he goes, well... He goes, no, we can't send you because there's no money in the training budget for it. And and uh, this was back in like 2000. This would have been in like 2005, I want to say. And I said, I, I was looking at it. I go, the class is like fucking $250. What do you mean there's no money in the training budget? 
and you know, this is, it's, it's part of where I learned to really think outside the box. So I said, okay. So I get there's no money in the training budget. I said, can I just go? Can, can, can I just go and I'll just take my regular pay and I'll pay for the class. And they went, um, yeah, sure. Oh shit. That worked. Okay. <laughs> so I went, I went up to, to, uh, Santa Maria down Alan Hancock for a week. And I, uh, I went to crime scene investigator school. And then uh, a couple months after that, there's a, a longer version called uh, field evidence technician, which is, it's more technical stuff. Like it's more of the sciencey side of stuff. Like when you think CSI, and I went back and I said, hey, uh, I went to CSI school. Can I go to FAT school? And they went, oh, there's no money in the training budget. Can you guys just pay me and I'll pay for it? You know, it was like 500 bucks, 600 yeah. bucks. Yeah. And they said, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> went to FAT school a couple months after that. Hey, can I go to basic traffic? <laughs> there's no, yeah, I know there's no money. Can, I'll, uh, I'll pay for it. Yeah, it's fine. You can go. And I don't want to say I scammed my way into through so many schools, but I, I, I went to so many great advanced schools by just paying for it myself. There you go. And it wasn't a traumatic amount of money, but I, you know, I, I, I gained so much professional knowledge that I, I, I still use to this day. And it was just, it was a great experience. And, and it let me, uh, after I went to the schools, we didn't have a designated crime scene tech. So I, I, scammed my way into that position. So I got to be a crime scene investigator for a couple of years. That was a lot of fun. Got, got some really, really cool experiences out of that. And it's, and that, that's when the show CSI was really cool and everyone was all into it. Yeah. So I could go, well, uh, you know, that show CSI, I do that at work. <laughs> kind of big deal. Is that how you picked up chicks? <laughs> Uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah, it, it worked. Oh my god, you do crime scenes? Yeah, I do crime scenes. My uh, office smells of rich mahogany and fingerprint powder. <laughs> Such an idiot. That that doesn't make sense. Fingerprint powder doesn't smell like anything. That, that was just a silly statement. <laughs> well, it's your episode. You can say whatever you want, man. Oh god. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying try, try to think what, what interesting crime scenes I went to. Um, I, I, there were, there were set there, there were shootings or stabbings or there were sexual assaults. I it just, there were so many things big and small. And I, I, I loved it. Not, not because these things were happening, but it was just, it was a puzzle. Right. That, you know, I had to put back together. And that's, that's part of the reason I, I really, to this day, I, and I do it in the private sector now, I really, I really enjoyed doing traffic and going to, to collisions, going to crashes. And you, know, you show up on, on the bad ones and you've just got two mangled cars on opposite sides of the roadway. And you look at it and sometimes you don't have parties that can answer questions about how it happened and you don't have witnesses. You know, something happened at three o'clock in the morning, two cars. You just got to figure it out. Right. And it's, it's a mystery. It's a puzzle to put back together. And that, that's always really appealed to me. It's just, it's, it's fun to me. It, it really sucks for the people involved, but it's, I, I see it as job security for you. (laughs) Yeah. And job security for me. (laughs) 
yeah, as, as long as people do terrible shit and break things, I, I, I'm always going to have a job. Right. <laughs> but, you know, as, as part of uh, almost like a healing process for, for the involved parties or, or their families in some cases, for that closure, you really want to know what happened. And, and sometimes you need somebody to blame for it. Did you ever get depressed going to some of these these crime scenes or like did your did your did your uh, you witness so much that it just got depressing? Not really. No. I got I got really good at compartmentalizing, and it didn't. I, I can honestly say it never really bothered me. So I remember the the very first uh, the very first time that I did a death investigation, I had actually come in. I think on overtime, and I had worked like a parade, like 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 traffic detail at a parade, and I left, and I was kind of taken the long way back. And a call came out. It was a medical call, and it was like a, an unresponsive subject in the vehicle, and it was, you know, five hundred feet from where I was. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm right here. So I went and uh, I, I went and I talked to the, the reporting party and I I said, what happened? And he, and, uh, he, he said, basically, kind of half English, half Spanish. And he goes, well, my uh, my friend and I, we were we were out drinking all night and we decided to sleep it off in the car. We came back. I, I woke up, you know, three, four in the morning and I went inside of my house. I just came back out now and I can't wake him up. OK, well, he's just probably drunk as shit. Let's go wake him up. So I went and popped open the door to the car and, you know, rigor was setting in and this dude was, you know, pale blue and, you know, had, had, um, uh, you know, emesis coming out of his mouth, a little vomit coming out of his mouth and, you know, checked for a pulse and he's, you know, he's refrigerator cold. He's, wow. he's done. So I was like, okay. And, you know, Again, I think that that was that was the first time I ever saw a dead body and and interacted with one. But I was I was just focused on what I was doing. So now, okay, secure the scene. Called fire medics. Medics showed up and pronounced him. Um, you know the the, the guys that worked patrol that day showed up and <laughs> and I, I was getting ready to leave, and uh, a call came out of a shooting up on the other end of town. So one of the guys cleared uh, the shoot, uh, went up to the shooting, saw the shooter, do foot bailed and barricaded himself in the house. So now everyone else there is like, you know, you know, sprinting back to their cars. And they <laughs> said, "You got this." I was like, "I, I do, <laughs> I do." Okay. Uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> it was, it was. Uh, one of the sergeants walked over and said, "Here, here's a death investigation form." I said, "Well, I had this." He goes, we'll fill it out. <laughs> he left. <laughs> uh, the shooting was more important, huh? <laughs> yeah, we know, no, that was the priority. But you know, there it, there was no foul play here. There, you know, there was no there was no traumatic injury. There, he didn't have a gunshot on him or anything. You know, it, it was it was apparent just you know from looking at it. He didn't have any you know any strangulation marks on his neck or anything. It, it was you know, he drank himself to death. Yeah, and that's what Officer Ricky was telling me. Uh, not on the podcast, but I we, we, I ask a lot of questions because you know they're you guys police officers' jobs are are interesting you know and uh, and I, I asked uh, he said he said it, even though even though 
it's a natural death or you know natural cause for mother nature to kill the person whatever they still have to swing by and and make that that report kind of like like you said yeah but that's that's about it so uh yeah no i i didn't have to you know i I, there wasn't a whole lot for for me to do so ventura county uh normally you just you you pull down the port it's it's something like this that you call the medical examiner one of the emmy investigators shows up and they do their thing. You don't. You don't touch the body. You don't. You don't move them beyond medics going and and you know doing vitals and pronouncing them. You just kind of leave them in place. You know. You don't fish out a wallet. Emmy investigator shows up and does all that. Uh, this this one was kind of this kind of fucked up. <laughs> and remember, this is the first time I've ever done this. So I'm taking all my cues from the Emmy investigator, and he he uh, gets the ID and he goes, hey, uh, he goes, we need to print. Uh, we need to ID this guy. So. Can you, we, uh, I, I think I found his address. We had it in house in RMS from something. He goes, can you go up and see if there's a family member that can come down and ID him? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. So in, in the amount of time that all this is happening, it, it, this, this was the weirdest thing to me. So this was like on a cul-de-sac with, with a whole bunch of apartments surrounding it. It was like a Sunday afternoon. People actually came out of their houses and were like setting up lawn chairs. No way. Oh, straight up, dude. And it was like the neighborhood event because, you know, I, we had it like taped off with crime scene tape and, you know, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have, you know, I, I was taking some pictures, but I, there, we didn't have crime scene text or anything. It wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a big search and rescue thing where you had 50 guys. It was me and the medical examiner and people, you know, people with their spectators and people had their kids out there and shit. I'm like, fuck you people do anyway so i went i went up to this guy's house and went and uh you know uh esposa was up there and she was all upset because he you know she was pissed off he wasn't home yet i was like well it's kind of so bad news about that (laughs) (laughs) so i said well you need to come with me she goes why have the kids here and i was like can you leave them no no stop being stop being i can't i'm like (laughs) oh no yeah i'm like you really don't want to bring the kids I, she, I, I think she was under the impression that he needed like to get bailed out. Probably, or, yeah. Like, it. Uh, and I, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to tell her right there, hey, you need to come identify his body. So uh, this was a, a kind of a learning lesson for me too on having a little more tact in dealing with these situations. So I fucking loaded her and all the kids up in the car <laughs> and drove back down there. No. Yeah, my dumbass. So we get there and, you know, the medical examiner comes over and, you know, she's offloading the kids. I say, how about we just leave the kids in the car? I'll put the radio on. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to have the kids. You don't want to have the kids. I I knew what was going to happen. You know, we walked over the car and, And, you know, she's falling down. And I'm like, oh, Christ almighty. Uh, It was a big scene. So we did that. But it was, it, it didn't bother me like it wasn't like inconsolable it was just it was just work to me you know dude drank himself you know into alcohol poisoning he was a long time alcoholic um i I did uh, i did get to go uh a couple days later i got to go to the autopsy it's first time i'd seen an autopsy in real life and that was that was really neat to see you know a lot of people can't handle it and that's okay dude i can't even I watch thought- Grey's anatomy and i start fucking vomiting like i get sick to my stomach and it's a show dude it's a freaking show 
Oh, you can't, you couldn't handle the smell then. Oh, never mind then. That'd be worse. No, it, it's not. It's not even. It's not. It's not a dead body smell at, at the medical examiner in an autopsy. It's. It's like. Um, God, it's really hard to. It, it's. It's like a. It, it's almost like that hospital smell. You know, like that that antiseptic cleaner hospital smell, but like times a thousand. Oh. And it just it gets on your clothes, and you take it with you when you leave. Damn, kind of like a cigarette, huh? Yeah, yeah. Damn. It, it's, it, but it was just really cool to see. But I got to see this dude's liver. That is, is probably that, fuck. That thing was was more rock solid than the you know pavement in my driveway. And this dude was a drinker for a really long time. Oh wow! And so you know, it didn't. It, he was a drinker and he drank himself to death. I, you know, I, I can't, the loss of life is unfortunate. I couldn't do anything about it. it. It is what it is. So my job is now just triage, basically. Okay, let me do the investigation and Emmy can do their thing and done. Yeah. And, and that's that. I can tell you the, the only, the only time I, this is a good story, actually. The only time I ever had, I, I, I can tell you that I felt upset. Or, or pangs of upset. I got, I got called in. I got called in at night. I was, I was off for a shooting. And I, sh- I showed up to the station and one of the detectives told me and said, Hey, uh, give me, give me just a real brief rundown. And the long and short, uh, car was driving down the street. Uh, there was a guy in the right front seat. The driver was, uh, the wife or girlfriend of a guy sitting in the back. And that's, that's, that's basically all the info I got. They were driving down the street. They saw a rival gang member walking down the street, walking down the sidewalk, hollered something at him, dude on the sidewalk turned, popped off, I think two or three rounds at the car. And, uh, dude was in the, uh, the, the right front pastor was in the hospital and they, they thought, they thought he was going to die. Okay, that's really all I need. What do you need me to do? And they said, well, we have the car. The car is here. Uh, they secured it in the, the side part of the station. Go go process it. Okay, cool. No problem. So I went and I was processing the car. And, you know, I I, I, I had all the cool, you know, all the, the bullet trajectory rods. And, it, <laughs> you know, first time I'd, I'd gotten to use all these cool toys. We, we had grant money we had to spend. And the chief had come to me a couple months earlier and said, Hey, we have grant money. You need CSI shit. You know, here's a catalog. Have fun. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was nerd, nerd, nerd shopping before we had Amazon. There you go. So I, I had all this really cool shit and I'm processing the car. Well, um, the, the, the shooting victim had taken a round in the neck from an open window. And so there was a lot of arterial blood spatter all over the car. I mean, the car was just, it, it needed new upholstery. Let's put it that way. That, that, that thing that looked like fucking Freddy Krueger had been in there. Oh shit. So the thing that where I stopped, there was a car seat in the back left seat that was also covered in blood. And I, I paused for a second and I, the detective had gone up to the hospital and I kept calling him because I was like, Hey, what's up? Was there a kid in the car? Was there a kid in the car? And I walked back in and I, I caught one of the guys who was at the scene 
had come back for something. I said, was there a kid in the car? He goes, yeah. I said, what's up with the kid? He goes, I have no idea. Okay. And that, like, that was bothering me as I was going. And I was in the back of my head as I was doing all this. And as I was doing the bullet trajectory, there, there was a second round that had gone straight through the windshield. And when I did the bullet rod, it went right back into the car seat. Oh, shit. That's exactly how I said it. And I, actually, I think what I said was, oh, fuck me. So I, I'm going and I'm, I, I, I finished processing the car. And the detective comes back and I said, hey, is, is the kid going to make it? And he goes, why wouldn't the kid make it? And I, I said, kid got hit. He goes, it didn't get hit. I just saw the kid. Kid's fine. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's not physically possible. You know, I, I don't, I don't remember the caliber of the round, but uh, it was, it was a big enough round and it was close enough that it, 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 there was no reason that that round wouldn't have gone exactly where it looked like it went. So I was like, that's okay. So I, I go and I, I look through the car again and again and again, and I find a, <laughs> I find the, the remnants of the, the, the round that went through the, when the windshield and it had, uh, I found it at the bottom of the opening of the center console. And I said to myself, that's really fucking odd. Huh? I don't understand. So here's the creepy part. So in the back seat of the car, right in front of the car seat, they had gone to like big lots or some shit earlier that day and they'd gotten stuff for the house. There was a picture, like a canvas photo, you know, like the kind you find at big lots and stuff. Yeah. Like to hang around the house. But it was a, it was a picture and I, I it's, it's popular or famous. It, it's everywhere. I, I found it online pretty easily and it shows like, like two kids running through a field, like holding hands. There's like an angel right above them as they're running through the field. And I still have photos, seen photos of this that I took because I, I couldn't fucking believe it. It was covered in blood from the victim, from the blood spatter. And it, it was, it was on the floorboard right in front of this car seat. This picture that depicts this angel, like watching over children. And I coupled that with the fact that I couldn't physically I couldn't explain like scientifically how that bullet just kind of fucking stopped after it went through the woman's field and dropped instead of continuing straight on into that car seat. I'm in fucking disbelief right now. You see the face? I, I you see my have, face? I still have all the pictures. It was the craziest fucking thing. I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. Dude. And I was showing everyone else. I said, can you fucking believe this? And like, okay, that's creepy. We're out. It, it, it was, ah. Uh, that kid was being watched like there's no tomorrow, man. I, I still, I could, I, I talked to other people about it. No, no one. I, I, I talked to the range master, but I said, "Can you explain the ballistics here?" He goes, "That didn't make any fucking sense to me." So no one, no one could scientifically explain it, and that was, that was one of the only times where I started off like upset and had this oh shit moment at the end of it, where it just kind of. It, it worked out for it. Well, not the victim he, who didn't die, by the way, he did not die. I think he, I think he's a quadriplegic now or brain dead, or I don't remember. He's not doing anything anymore, but he didn't die. 
So he's got that going for him. That's crazy, man. And you, you know what? There's always there's 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 been stories, multiple stories like that. You hear them on the news, you hear them on TV, you hear them in movies. But when you hear it from your friend, it's like speechless, dude. I was like, I was shocked to hear what you were telling me, man. And it's it's crazy to see it firsthand. Yeah, I see those too, and I go, oh, that's bullshit. Oh, somebody saw a cutout of Jesus and a piece of toast. Oh, give me a fucking break. Okay. <laughs> well, and then you experience like that, and you're like, all well, right, all it's right. like it's like the story I said about the phone call where some where something calls my phone pretending to be my friend Roger, and there was nothing there. It was nobody. You know, it's like you don't like example oh hey dude the door closes or the tv turns on or you're like whatever it doesn't really freak you out until you experience something crazy and then it's like now it's like okay the printer my wife's printer went off oh i'm getting holy water fuck that shit <laughs> hey, hey Nick, it's just cleaning it's just going through a cleaning cycle it's fine don't worry about no. it is that it's- what it was <laughs> It's fine. Yes, it's just going. It's just a cleaning cycle. They do that. It's fine. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And Officer Ricky didn't know that because I was recording with Ricky when that thing went off. <laughs> Christ is not sending you a fax. It's, it's perfectly normal. Well, back to that question earlier about depression, depressing, and getting depressed or whatever. It was because you know I recently got one of those little radios where I can kind of, dude. I, it's been so crazy out here. That I was in a liquor store and the cops surrounded the liquor store because some fucking guy ran by it with a gun. That homie could have been stuck in the in the cooler with me if it wasn't for the store owner that locked the store right away. And so I'm like, fuck this. This is getting kind of out of control. And the guy that gave me the – the well, I, I bought the radio. The guy that rigged it for me, he's like, hey, man, just, you know, I'm going to advise you that listen to it, but just – Think about it. Don't really, don't really, you know, people get depressed, man. You're going to hear a bunch of, you know, heart attacks, a bunch of, and he, he and like the kids or whatever. It, it, it's sad. Some of these stories are sad. Like, so what I do is when I hear like maybe the chopper flying over my head, then I'll turn it on. Like last night I heard a bunch of like fireworks, but at first I thought there were gunshots. I turned it on. That's it. I don't have it playing 24 seven because I don't want to get depressed hearing, you know, it was an active morning this morning. This morning was active, but I, I, I just don't want to hear like, you know, a kid like, you know, got hurt. I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. You know, it, it's the, the, the bad calls are not, I don't say that they're not every day. They, but, but you, you remember those especially when they're with kids. So, so I can say, I can say that, that even calls for the most part calls, even calls involving kids didn't really bother me until I had kids. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yes. You know, like you can watch for me, for example, I can watch a movie where it, you know, sadly a child gets hurt and I, I be, I'll be fine. You know, that doesn't really phase me until I had kids, bro. And I, when I watched Harbaugh, I cried when I watched, instructions not included i cried when i <laughs> dude i cried dude i cried like my my comadre was like holy shit i got you crying good <laughs> and then I, I i you know like meet the robinsons you know this kid all it's a cartoon movie but all he ever wanted was his family 
and that's kind of like me growing up all i ever wanted was a family that song that that movie hits and then you got rob thomas singing little wonders and it makes you think <laughs> about your kids and it gets me bawling every time so you're yeah. right you know story like that like I, I'm, I'm sure you would have taken it more more uh serious or more you know you would have got probably more bummed out if you found out that a child actually did get hurt in that shooting and it and it, and it sucks because out, out here this you know like, i think like last year little boy didn't have that guardian angel man you know out here it was you know car to car shooting and Sadly, a little, I think he was six years old, lost his life. Look at the fucking five-year-old that lost his life on the fucking, what is it, 55 freeway or some shit recently? Like, it's just stuff like that is sad. The stuff like that is hurt. And I I, I get what my buddy Paul deleted his fucking Facebook. I'm at that point. I'm pretty close to deleting Facebook because it's just too depressing, man. You know, I think it's a matter of these things have always happened. It's just we have as a society now we have so much access in real time to information you know you look at you look at anytime there's there's a critical incident you know an active shooter go back to the uh the san bernardino shooting is a great example of it the uh that was the uh that was the domestic terror incident the mass shooting at at the uh the development center but you know, while the news was covering it, and I, I, I tell people this too when I teach classes, if you really want to know what's going on with an incident in real time, yeah, you can watch the news. Go on Twitter. So if, if this is a, 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 a major mass casualty incident, you will get real time video from that instant from someone who's there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I've on, on big instance where, you know, now in, in the private sector where I've worked on, where I know, you know, we have more witnesses. I go back and, and I pull, you know, tweets and I pull Facebook posts and I pull Instagram posts and I'll straight, I'll, I'll PM people. I'll go, Hey, you weren't contacted. I'd really like to talk to you about this. And you get great information that way. Yeah. Because just because they're not proactive in, in raising their hand and saying, Hey, I have information about this doesn't mean that they're not going to talk to you they might just be waiting for someone to call them they, they might be sitting there going and i've had people say oh i figured you guys had enough witnesses i figured they you know they talked to enough people great talk yeah. to me now super but kids in media i remember um i had to look up the year uh there's a movie called the lovely bones of your saw it it's about, yeah. about a little girl who uh is out playing and she ends up getting kidnapped and murdered by like a neighbor but it came out in 09. And I remember watching it, like when it came out, or shortly after it came out, I was like, oh, it was a good movie. Couldn't watch it today. Because you have kids uh, now. Because yeah. I have kids now. I have daughters now. And then there was uh, another movie uh, in 2013, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and I forget who else was in it, called Prisoners, um, where his kids get kidnapped and he, you know, he goes kind of Liam Neeson and, you know, starts fucking shit up to go and, and try and figure out where they are and uh haven't watched it won't well, watch it can't do it yeah that's 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 that, that's my limit i i can't i i can't do it yeah I, I i you know i didn't have a whole lot of kid stuff i i had a couple i had a couple crashes i had a couple fatalities with kids that th- those always sucked uh, especially after i had kids but you know it, it goes back to it's 
it's the it you have a job to do and no one else is going to do it you're there it's your job so get the job done yeah and you want do you want the sad story you want the you want the really heartfelt sad story the last story you <laughs> said i had my mouth open for like the past like for like 5 minutes bro are you going to make me cry? Right. If you're going to make me cry, I don't know, but let's... you might cry a little bit with you might cry a little, I might cry a little bit with this. So, so full, so I I I I don't really drink anymore like at all. Okay. So it, 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 it's, <laughs> it's been a difficult story for me to tell because you'll understand. This used to be like a four drink minimum for me to even get into the story. Okay, but we're coming up on, on an anniversary, so I think it's appropriate now. So I want to get the day right, just so that I can tell the story accurately. Uh, well, the beautiful thing about having like three monitors in your desk, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. My 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 Oh, you've seen my command center. Oh, yeah, I was there when I recorded the Secret yes. Agent Man. Yep, I went. I, you were the up. only person that I drove to because I needed your story on what it was like to help me get custody of my kids, but no one else. Dude, everyone else is like, "You come here, man. You come here," <laughs> or over the phone. All right, are you ready? Cool. I think okay. So should so we caution? Was... Should we caution our listeners first? They might cry. You may get you wet, like Universe Studios, like you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this was uh, July twenty second, July twenty second, two thousand twelve. Uh, this was in Santa Paula, and uh, my sergeant, who was also uh, my roommate slash, no, oh, it was his house. I was renting a room for him because this this was post divorceian called me up and he's oh no 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 i wasn't living with him at the time i take that back uh he said hey uh can you come work the citrus festival this weekend and i was like i really don't want to do that and he goes can you work the command post you can just hang out it's going to be super chill you can watch netflix all day it's like eh. all right sure so we get through the weekend, no problem. So Sunday rolls around. I'm like, cool, I'm ready to be done with this bullshit. It's going to be an early day. I showed up, I think, at noon, maybe a little before. We got everything set up. I hung out in the command post. Nothing really happened all day. So uh, later later in the night, um, I start hearing uh, Code 3 stuff going across the bridge to South Mountain. I start hearing lights and or start hearing sirens. A lot of them. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if there's a fire. So I, I had a, a log on for County Fire at that point, and I so I logged on to the County Fire Cat and said they were going to uh, a car crash on on South Mountain somewhere. I was like, oh, one of those assholes up there probably get some oil equipment, whatever. Uh, didn't really think anything of it at that exact moment, and then the call updated. And it said, um, it, in call notes, county fire notes, it said, uh, off duty Santa Paula PD involved. Oh, and I was shit. like, okay. I still, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, we, 
I, I won't name the driver because the it, it's perfectly Googleable. The driver of that vehicle was up on that mountain all the time. I had a theory about who it was. And didn't really think much of it. So I called in to our, our, our command center, our dispatch, our communication center. And I said, Hey, uh, you know, fire's going up to South Mountain. You know, what's going on. And the dispatcher was, was very upset on the phone, he was crying. And I was like, Oh, well, that's not a good sign. And, uh, I said, what the hell's going on? And she goes, well, we, we just talked to Kenny Fire. And it was the driver and uh, in the car uh, was Kim and she's dead. And I was like, wait, so, so Kim was Kim Hemminger and, and Kim at, at the time was one of my best friends and she was one of our officers. And I was like, but nobody's up there yet. That can't be right. And I'm trying to get information and you know, she's really upset on the phone. And I was like, you know, fuck this. I'll be right there. So I got out of the command post and a couple of guys were down there. And I said, I need someone to get me back to the station code like right now. Okay. What's going on? I said, there's something going on on South Mountain. There's a TC. One of our people there. I, I, I don't know. I need to get back to figure out what's going on. So we jumped in the car, went back to the station, went in. We had two dispatchers in there. They're both, uh, right, rightfully so, and I, I'm not saying it as a negative anyway. They were both very upset and you know, combat ineffective at that point. You know, phones are ringing, radios going off, and no, no one, no one can function. And I, I walked in, and I saw this, and I go, "Oh fuck, okay." So I, I said, "Okay, you two need to unplug, get up, walk out of this room, go outside." Take a minute, do what you need to do, get your shit together, come back. I'll take care of this. So I went in and I, I found a headset and I plugged in and, and started, you know, trying to get information together, trying to figure out what's going on and calling Canny Fire. Canny Fire can't figure out where the fuck this accident is. Cause, you know, if you ever look at a, a map of the, the road, it's, it's just like infinite, you know, switchbacks and you know this road you know goes up to this pipe and it's just there's no map after loop after loop yeah Yeah. and and there's there's gates and and you can't that you can't fucking google map your way up there especially in 2012 yeah (laughs) and 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 now now it's you know at this point it's like 10 o'clock at night and it's pitch black and no one can see shit anyway so our uh the the patrol watch commander came in and he goes, dude, what the fuck is going on? And I said, well, this is, this is the information I have now. He goes, okay. He goes, what do you need? And I said, I need you to tell me that I can get whatever resources we need to get to figure out what the fuck is going on and get somebody up there. He goes, you got to do what you do whatever you need to do. Cool. So I called the sheriff's department and I said, Hey, can you guys get the, the chopper up? Can you guys get air squad up? And, you know, it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday. I said, yeah, we'll page out the pilots. So that was, at that time, 45 minutes to an hour from when we called them to when they would be spooling up in Camarillo. Okay. I was like, well, I don't really want to wait an hour. So I called, now I called LAPD. So LAPD, um, everyone knows LAPD's area, you know, with the ghetto birds. 
LAPD, uh, a lot of people don't know, LAPD has two helicopters up at all times, 24-7. Period, then over. With very few exceptions. They have two helicopters up. So I called up LAPD and I said, hey, we have this going on. Can you guys help? And they said, yeah, we, we've got a thing going on, whatever, in Silmar. As soon as we clear it, we'll be out there. Which wasn't Great. far? Yeah, that's, you know, that's 10, 15 minutes flight time tops. Great. But they couldn't tell me when they would clear what they were doing. Okay. So now I called up Burbank PD. And I said, <laughs> hey, Burbank, Glend- uh, Burbank, Pasadena, Glendale, they have a joint air unit. Flies out of Burbank. And I said, hey, can you guys get me air? And they said, we don't have it up right now. I said, cool, no problem. Called up LASD. Hey, can you guys get me air? <laughs> yeah, we can get there, but we're, you know, closest ones in cars, and I can't tell you when it's going to be cool, whatever. So, you know, I'm coordinating. I'm on the phone with, with CHP because CHP got the call initially. Um, I knew, I knew the dispatcher at CHP really well. She's a good friend. And, you know, she explained, well, it was, you know, the driver had called and explained that he had rolled the, the truck and that, you know, she wasn't seat belted and that, you know, she was, um, she was dead at the scene. I went, okay, well, we're not there yet. I still, I didn't want to believe it, you know, and, you know, the other dispatchers were, were coming back in and I said, okay, you need to do this and do that. And I'm trying to coordinate all this shit. So we end up, we get air up there. Candy fire ends up getting up there. Um, uh, you know, we had, we had our, a bunch of our guys ended up driving up there. And couldn't get past gates. We we had three or four guys that that were running up that mountain to get oh, to that crash shit. scene. And uh, everybody got up there, and yeah, she that yeah she was she was she was dead at the scene. Uh, fire got up there. Chippies got up there. Arrested the driver for DUI, and you know then it became a a you know a matter of recovery and so now now it's you know three four o'clock in the morning and you know there's still all kinds of shit going on and still trying to coordinate everything we ended up we ended up like five helicopters oh shit from like five different agencies but it was helpful because it, it, it helped us figure out where it was and how to get there right so um you know, they, they, they recovered her and brought her back down and they said, well, we're, we're going to, we're going to do a, a perception to the medical examiner's office. Said, okay. So the other two dispatchers said, do, do you mind if we go? Do you mind staying here? Um, I, I didn't really want to do that, but I, I said, yeah, it's fine. That's, I'll hold down the fort. No big deal. So they did that. Um, we did a, a we did a critical incident stress debrief, which was a big round table. It was everybody who was involved in this. And they brought some guys from fire, which was really, it was nice, uh, who were like peer counselor types. Hey, but now you have a bunch of like type A personalities in the room. Hey, tell us about your feelings. Uh, I don't think we're going to be doing that now. But, uh, you know, to everyone's credit, everyone was actually pretty open about, you know, this is what I did. You know, this is what I was thinking at the time. And because you guys knew her, you guys knew this person. She was, uh, you said, a police officer as well, right? Yeah, yeah. She she was one of ours. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and uh, you know, I, I remember at, at that, still at that at that time, and this is like you know four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, I still I I didn't feel upset yet. I I wasn't sad or um, it didn't. I wasn't bothered. 
I guess I guess it would be the word. And uh, so we did that. Uh, you know, I, I talked to, to my sergeant for a minute. And then uh, finally, I, I left at like 6 a.m. So that was that was kind of a long day. Um, had the radio on, driving home. I got home. I was fine. Pulled in the driveway. You know, got in the house. You know, you know, threw on some shorts. Uh, I I was physically tired. I got into bed, and my head hit the pillow, and I just fucking broke down, and had had a full on breakdown. And what what I learned from that, or I guess my my point of my point of pride from that was, I. You know, I, I I did have to end up talking to someone about it later on because I needed to understand how I reacted to things and why I thought something was wrong with me in that I wasn't upset at the time. But it was just, you know, the mindset at that moment was, OK, I'm here. I have to fix this. Right. I, I this is the mission. There's going to be plenty of time later on to be upset and, you know, and cry and, and have whatever emotions you have about this. But right now, there's a mission and the mission has to get completed. Right. Right. So that was uh, that 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 was that was one of those, you know, one one of those things in my career that I. I, I, I will have with me forever because it was just, I remember everything about that night very vividly. Even, even into the 18th hour of delirium, I, I, I remember it cut and paste from, you know, showing up that day to when my head hit the pillow. And so, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent, but you were talking about depression and being upset. And, and that's, that's one of those where I, it, 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 it showed up, but it showed up after everything was done. Once it really hit you, once it really, like you said, you know what's funny? I mean, I'm not going to compare police officer work to what I do, but example, yeah, okay. example, a couple of weeks ago, my my buddy's like, he said, "You seem, you seem upset, you seem whatever." I'm like, "Nah, bro, I'm clocked in. I'm clocked in. I, I, I am mentally clocked in to work. So anything that comes out of." left field i ain't got time for it because i'm still trying to be over here i'm clocked in and right. uh you're, you're you're locked on to what you're doing you're i can be i can be dozing off i can be dozing off i can be tired as hell dozing off trying to fall asleep but the moment six o'clock comes in and i hit clock in it's like i'm fully awake dude like, i don't even need, i don't even need coffee anymore let's go and uh that's i that's pretty much similar to you, once your body clocked out, that's when it hit you. Yes, yeah. When, when, once, once you, once you, you're basically you're you're telling you're telling your brain, okay, it's all done now. That that's when it that's when it it hits. Once once you once you get out of that that mission mindset. Okay, I have a mission now. Once you once you clock out from that, 
then your brain starts to go, hang on, time out. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, I, I have another one that's not sad. That I'll, I'll let's bounce back from the hyper. Yeah, let's end this. One. Let's end this with a positive, happy note. <laughs> so, well, okay, no, it, it, it's happy. Well, it's 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 creepy, but uh, it didn't have a bad ending. So, um, this was uh, this was a small agency on the central coast that I won't name. Which I, I have a zillion stories, which I thought I was going to get into today because they're way more entertaining. <laughs> uh, this was uh, this was a call that came out. It was late later at night, maybe midnight, and it was a report of a suicidal subject who had armed himself with a machete and wanted to go out suicide by cop. Okay, all right, I can work with that. So you know, we'd go to the house. Knock on the door. There's no lights on in the house. Porch light's not on. Okay. No answer at the door. Shock. Don't hear anything inside. Uh, I had grabbed... Uh, no, I had grabbed... No, I hadn't grabbed anything, actually. Hey, sleep <laughs> No, I didn't. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing stories up. So, you know, I stand there at the front door and, uh, I, two other guys with me and they had both gone around to the back, you know, to check out the back of the house. And I'd walked back down the, the walkway to the porch. And I was kind of standing there down by the sidewalk and looked at the front of the house and didn't, didn't see anything. I thought it was a bullshit call. So I'm standing there and out of nowhere, the front door comes flying open. And there's a, a really dim, like, hallway light on in the back. So all I can see is, like, a silhouette of a guy in the doorway. And he's just staying there. And that was fucking creepy enough by itself. So I looked at him like, hey, bud, are you doing okay? It's police here. What's going on? And he comes walking down, and he stands on the porch, which is, you know, just like a little walkway porch type thing. And I still just see a silhouette. And, you know, I see his arm come up and he's got a fucking machete in his hand. Oh, shit. And I'm like, okay. It's like, he's still far enough away. All right. So, you know, now I know the difference between a handgun and a taser. <laughs> I know. Some cops have seem to have a problem with that. And I, okay, quick side note, I blame a lot of that on this cross draw bullshit that has been so prevalent for years. Okay. I'm left handed. I would carry my gun on my left hand, you know, left side, left side holster. I would carry my taser on a drop leg holster on my right side. Now, you trained for years, right? To draw, right? Yeah. Draw, present. Now, when you go to taser training, every agency is different. A lot of times, when you go to taser training, you go to like four hours of taser training, and maybe you'll do a research once a year, maybe not. Um, but you don't develop that same muscle memory drawing, especially with a cross draw, because now you've been trained for years to draw with your left, your draw, your pistol with your left hand, your right hand, and now you're supposed to cross draw with that same hand to pull a taser out with that same hand 
that you've been practicing for years to pull out your gun with. Right. They, it's, it, you, you don't develop the same muscle memory. And I was cognizant of that. So you don't carry on the same fucking side. Like, it's not rocket science. Anyway. So I pulled my taser and good laser. And he started walking toward me. I was like, hey, you better stop. Better stop. Better stop. Better stop. Didn't want to stop. And, you know, he just had on, like, blue jeans and a T-shirt. He's just normally dressed. You know, there wasn't anything that wasn't going to stop the probes. So, you know, taser, taser, taser. And I'm yelling. I'm yelling as loud as I can to get these fucking idiots in the back to come running back and help me. And they <laughs> weren't picking up on it, apparently. The whole fucking neighborhood's waking up because I'm screaming at this guy. But these two tards in the back didn't. So, <laughs> taser, taser, taser. And because he's walking toward me. He's like, better stop, better stop. Pop. Probes go out. Boom. Center mass, dead center of the chest, two good hits. And I'm like, oh, back her up, boys. We're done here. <laughs> you know what this motherfucker did? He's he's holding this machete up, and I can see the tasers having some effect. He starts howling like a zombie. Going, <laughs> he looks down, and he rips the wires and probes out of his chest. Oh shit! And drops them. Some of these bigger boys need two hits. Remember, hangover. <laughs> and I had I had a moment where I looked at it. and I'm like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and now now he keeps walking toward me. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. So. I just, I just dropped the taser and I pulled my gun out. I'm like, you better stop. You need a fucking smoke, dude. And then I was like, well, no, but that's what he wants. I don't really want to do that, but I don't really have a whole lot of options here. So now I'm backing up down, you know, what little bit of the, the walkway I have left. And I, I'm totally television on this dude now howling at me like a zombie with this machete up over his head. I'm like, I'm going to fucking shoot this guy. Then out of nowhere. <laughs> He should have called it, and I kind of got on about it later. He should have called it, but out of nowhere, this dude just goes, Ugh, and kind of like shoots off to the side a little bit. And, and I thought I thought somebody shot it. And I almost had a sympathetic trigger, and I almost capped off around, but I didn't. And the other two tards, one of them had a 12-gauge less lethal and hit him with a beanbag. Oh, okay. He said later that he did call it. I was just so tunnel-visioned. I had, I had auditory exclusion. I didn't hear it. Yeah. And so we stopped for a second, hit him with another beanbag, and he's 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 not coming forward anymore, but he's not moving anymore. So then the other the other guy, you know, pulls out his taser and this taser is more effective and da 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 drops the machete, falls down, you know, we bum rush him and get him cuffed up and everything and it was a good happy ending. But <laughs> it was just it was creepy as shit, dude, watching that door pop open and seeing that silhouette and going Oh fuck! Okay, and <laughs> seeing the crazy in that guy as he, you know, howling like a zombie, howling like a zombie, and you know, ripping out these probes. <laughs> oh fuck! I've never seen that before. That's ah okay, but it was a happy ending. Didn't have didn't have to shoot anybody. Didn't want to. Really didn't want to. But. It was, uh, people, people think the taser is just this magic bullet, you know, well, you, you could just tase him. Well, you can shoot him in the leg. 
which I'm, I'm going to hit really quick because it really irritates me when people say that. You can shoot him in the leg. You can shoot him in the arm. I'm like, okay, if you can hit a moving target in the dark with minimal lighting at 30 yards away while you're under a full adrenaline dump, if you can hit a leg or an arm, then you should definitely be doing that job. <laughs> like it's so it's such impractical and it comes from people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about we could shoot a leg they move i will never say that again ian after today i will never say that again because <laughs> yeah, i'm one of those idiots <laughs> if he's a paper target at 30 yards yeah i could pop him in the leg if he's standing still they don't stand still. <laughs> I, I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> yeah, if he's in front of me, maybe I can give him a contact shot. But the other the other half of that is, okay, you shoot him in the leg. Right, you've immobilized him. You've also completely fucking blown out his femoral artery. Now he's going to bleed out in 90 seconds. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Like... <laughs> Come on! Uh, sorry, that's just that—that's me getting irritated with people on Reddit. Oh, you shoot him in the leg. Well, you could. <laughs> You're probably going to kill him even faster. There, there, there's so many great less lethal implements, and and I do think that some of them are under underutilized. You've got you have your 12 gauge less lethal, which is just—it's a shotgun, it's a 12 gauge shotgun, but you put beanbag rounds in it instead. Those are great. You've got OC spray, which instantly i've never understood i understand those extremely rare occasions when you do have to shoot a vicious dog they're extraordinarily rare i never came across one i dealt with plenty of vicious dogs you give them a little squirt of pepper spray a little squirt of oc you're 99 of the time you're good to go they're done they don't want to play anymore they run over to some grass and they rub their face on it for like 30 minutes problem solved yeah you know, you've got, if you, uh, pepper spray, but, you know, pepper spray doesn't work on everybody, especially if they're UI or something. And if you need a standoff weapon with pepper spray, you've got pepper balls. And not every agency has them. Pepper balls are awesome. I would grab that fucking pepper ball gun every opportunity I had and just carry it around because it's it's a paintball gun, basically. And instead of paint in it, it's pepper spray. Oh, shit. That's badass. Yeah, it's, it's a great standoff weapon because, you know, pepper spray is only good up to whatever, at 12, 14 feet, something like that, maybe. But, you know, you're good up to like 100 feet plus with, with pepper ball gun accurately. And you can just sit there and dunk, 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 dunk. And you're going to know real quick if it's effective or not. You know, they all, you, just, you have to be careful at closed in spaces because you get a lot more cross contamination. But it's a great standoff weapon. And then, you know, for the heavies, you can bring out, and people get busy. Militarization of the police! They have grenade launchers! Okay, you fucking idiot. It doesn't shoot grenades, okay? <laughs> well, I can. I, okay, I, I guess you I am glad about. you had your coffee before, before we started recording. I <laughs> <laughs> have CS grenade, or not CS grenade, but you can have 40 millimeter. It's, it's a 40 millimeter. I, I hate calling it. It's a, it's a 40 millimeter projectile launcher there. Let's go with that. And you know, it looks like a 40 millimeter grenade, but it's got a spongy tip 
it's it's a less lethal round. And they're extremely effective. And that's another great standoff. You have Taser. You know, I've, I've used Taser plenty of times. Taser is great with the probes. And if the probes don't work, you, you give them a drive stun. A lot of people don't know that either. Instead of the, if the probes don't work or, or what have you, and, you know, if you have someone who's fighting and you're like ground fighting and you get to the taser, you, you hold it up to them. Cause at the, the front end of the taser, you've got two little metal leads. And that's what arcs the electricity that hits the probes that sends the electricity out to the probes. Um, or to the wires to the probes. But it works just as effectively, more effectively to take it and, you know, give someone a, a, a contact with the taser, give them a drive stun. And if the probes weren't effective or they didn't hit or whatever, you know, you, you stick that taser on the meaty part of their leg or small in the back or something and, ta, 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 and you get the exact same effect. And it's great. Works really well. But none of these are fail safe. None of these work a thousand percent of the time. You have to gauge the situation. And, and unfortunately, sometimes when you have to use deadly force, you use deadly force. I can go on and on and on and on and on about this. I can write a fucking soliloquy. I just, I was on Reddit this morning, so I got kind of annoyed because I went, shoot him in the leg, shoot him in the arm. <laughs> you look so fucking irritated with that. <laughs> like, you look irritated right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I, I am a firm believer in the U.S. Constitution. I, I love this country with all my heart. I'm a patriot. I love our Constitution. I love all the protections. I firmly believe that everybody has a First Amendment right to express their opinion. It also gives everybody a First Amendment right to be a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, stay in your lane. I, I'm not, dude, I'm not going to go online and I'm not, I, I'm not going to pencil fuck a cardiac, a cardi, a, a cardi, Jesus Christ. <laughs> not cardiologist heart surgeon what you call a heart surgeon not, you're asking not the wrong person bro it's gonna bother me cardiothoracic thank you cardiac surgeon cardi okay cardiothoracic surgeon i wouldn't get on and, and you know pencil fuck a, car, a cardiothoracic surgeon on the methods they use to fix somebody's heart i'm not a I'm not a heart surgeon. I don't know anything about it. I can read. I, I can read online. That doesn't make me an expert in it. I've never done it. So until until you've been in these situations and until you've experienced it firsthand, you can't you can't sit there and you know Monday morning quarterback what someone else did in another profession. It's just it doesn't it doesn't track just because it's on TV all the time. Anyway, questions, please go ahead. All yours. <laughs> I feel that if I ask one more question, we're going to go another half an hour. And so far, you have broken two records, my friend. The second most downloaded podcast and now the longest podcast. <laughs> so I think, we'll, I think we'll end it at here at that. We'll drop it. And uh, buddy, like I end every podcast, thank you for writing with me. Oh, sweetie pie, I ride with you anytime, boo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Ride With Me, the Flat Tire Indie Podcast. You can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean.